Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple. To make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people are my friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC. Or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Not enough jobs. Too many people unemployed. Virus spiking. Vaccines not coming soon enough. Because even warp speed is too slow. That's a lot of bad news. But as Wall Street sees it, bad news is the perfect recipe for a trillion-dollar stimulus bill, which is why the Dow ultimately rallied 249 points today. S&P gained 0.88%, and the Nasdaq, which has been lagging of late, up 0.70. Yet we saw concentrated buying in many of the stocks that really would benefit buy, 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 from buy. a massive injection of federal cash. For instance, Caterpillar ah. hit an all-time high. The oils are on a roll. Remember, I keep telling you, if you want it to be in those, it's Chevron or Pioneer. The semiconductor stocks, they just roared, especially the ones with cell phone exposure. And yes, Starbucks jumped two bucks. That's become, other than Disney, which we'll mention in a few minutes, the ultimate uh, opening of America play. But will we really get a stimulus deal? I think that's the perfect place to start our game plan for next week, because if the supercharged stimulus talks don't lead to some kind of agreement over the weekend, I fear that we are going to get hammered when we come in on Monday. Let's be clear. The Labor Department's non-farm payroll report this morning at 830 was a disappointment, although not a surprise if you were paying attention to the spike in COVID infections or the death toll. For whatever reason, the predictions for these kinds of numbers don't seem to be impacted by common sense. The fact is we're in real trouble when it comes to the virus. It's circling. And you have to believe a good chunk of the economy is going to get shut down. Eh, it's not the government's people. It's going to be shut down by fearful individuals who don't want to get sick and are actually worried because it is a serious illness and deadly one. So we absolutely need, need a stimulus deal. I mean, I, I love a big one. But even a smaller compromise bill would work if it acts like targeted business interruption insurance for the small, medium-sized businesses that are now dropping like flies. Today, the president's chief economic advisor, my old partner, Larry Kudlow, outlined on Squawk on the Street exactly what kind of plan. He said it is what Trump wants, too. But the White House has never actually been the bottleneck here. You should realize that. The chief obstacle is Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And he's still not on board. I hope today's not so hot. Data convinces him to change his mind, but it's possible the data doesn't matter because he doesn't seem very data-driven. 
All that said, this market has an uncanny ability to divorce itself from the horrors of the present moment. Instead, Wall Street's focused on the bountiful profits that we're likely to see from tech, from housing, and from auto companies when various variations of them report next week. If the numbers are good, this market could have more upside, even with some more bad news about the virus. Housing's been the brightest spot in the economy as people flee the cities for the suburbs or the country, because if you're stuck working from home, you might as well live in a big house rather than a tiny apartment. Of course, you want to leave the city because it just seems all kinds of dangerous, particularly with public transit. Toll Brothers will tell the tale when it reports on Monday after the close. They have metro properties, but they're also known for exactly the kind of suburban homes that affluent people are flocking to right now. Remember, a home is your school, a home is your office, a home is your home entertainment center. We also need to take the temperature of the cloud, as we did, as we'll hear later in the show, this time with the help of Coupa Software, which helps businesses find savings in procurement. They, they, they build themselves as the sales force of expense management. I like Coupa a lot. So let's listen. Hey, speaking of sales force. They had their investor day on Tuesday, and it couldn't come at a better time, given that they just announced one of the most controversial software deals in history, the Slack acquisition. I think it actually made a ton of sense. I think I'm alone other than Mark Benioff, the CEO. Just kidding. Slack's products are terrific, and Salesforce needs them if they are going to hope to go toe-to-toe successfully with Microsoft in the battle for the enterprise. I hope after the meeting, uh, people will realize that Slack isn't just some also-ran loser that Salesforce stumbled over. The company just reported an amazingly strong quarter, even better than results from Salesforce. Not that anyone was paying attention. Some people will tell you that all big tech deals fail, but Salesforce has done this before. They bought Tableau Software and MuleSoft. Both those takeovers worked out exceedingly well. Plus, CEO Mark Benioff tried to acquire Twitter, but he was willing to be disciplined and walk away when they asked for too much money, so he obviously must think that this deal Okay. Benioff knows what he's doing. Historically, betting against Mark Benioff has not been a great strategy. On Wednesday, we'll find out how Lowe's is doing at its investor day. Marvin Ellison, the terrific CEO, has been trying to turn this battleship around as fast as possible. But between COVID costs, lack of tech infrastructure spending by his predecessors, the turnaround has been difficult, but, but going in the right direction. I believe in Ellison's vision. And once he finishes executing it, Lowe's will once again rival Home Depot in profitability and growth. I think this could be a very positive meeting. A lot of good things to say. Same goes for Starbucks, which has its biennial confab on Wednesday. Starbucks is running, uh, the stock was running all day in anticipation of this meeting. But I don't think it's a reason to take profits. They've got a huge Chinese business, and that Chinese business is already back to normal. When we get the vaccine here, the lagging U.S. business will catch fire, too. It's just a question of when, not if. We've got a couple of major earnings reports on Wednesday, too. We've got to focus on, we're going to hear from Campbell's Soup in the morning. The last time, they had a great quarter, but they gave guidance that was, I think, misinterpreted as to being tepid. Oh, I bet you they won't let that happen again. So therefore, I think you should buy some Campbell's going into the quarter. Oh, one one to buy go into the quarter. After the close, we get results from Adobe. You know that's a big Kramer favorite. And this company's tied up in digitization, and I'm expecting terrific sets of numbers. It's another buy. There's always some niggling division that people don't like. And then you look a few weeks later and the stock's up big. How about Disney's analyst meeting on Thursday? Now, here's a stock that's become the ultimate reopening play. Oh, wow. I mean, this company has been sitting still. People think it's been sitting still while they're waiting for the vaccine. Au contraire. I mean, we're going to hear about rising profitability of Disney Plus. That's my suspicion. That's their insanely popular streaming service. Remember the last time Disney held a big analyst meeting? The stock gapped up huge. This time it might not happen because COVID's out of control. But my charitable trust still owns this one. 
and we're betting that we're going to like what we hear. We have L on it through thick and thin, Mr. Bob Iger, former CEO. I'm not going to get rid of it now. Then there are two quarters that I expect to be bullish on Thursday night, that both that one is being counted out and the other is being counted in, Costco and Broadcom. People didn't like the last month's numbers from Costco. I said, well, you give me a break. They just gave you a special dividend. It's the most consistent retailer in the world. Shut up and own it. You actually should hope it comes down so you can buy some more. That's from Jimmy Chill. As for Broadcom, the semiconductor stock had a gigantic rally today. You know why? I think a lot of it came down to the fact that not one but two research firms gave you a cold shot, predicting that Broadcom, symbol AVGO, will have a remarkable quarter. Now, we own both Costco and Broadcom for the Travel Trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. I feel good about them, as you will know from your club Boltons if you're a subscriber. Now, if Broadcom delivers, they'll be excellent, excellent pin action throughout the group like there was today when you started looking at what a Texas Instruments or Qualcomm is doing or Skyworks Solutions. You bet they're good. Any of these things are going to be good. And let me tell you where else it's going to drift back to. A stock that didn't act so well, Apple. Finally, Friday should be quiet, except for consumer confidence numbers. Typically, I don't really care about these, but let me tell you why I'm looking. Um, I, I, I'm afraid for, I, I want to, I'm concerned, I should say I'm concerned, that the consumer is starting to worry that the vaccine won't arrive in time to save us from 30 to 50% of the country getting the virus. Yikes. But those are the kinds of projections we are now hearing from the professionals. I think the consumers held up incredibly well given that. But who knows how long they can continue when all the COVID numbers are headed in the absolute wrong direction. Here's the bottom line. If the Democrats and Republicans in Congress can make a stimulus deal over the weekend, this market can indeed keep running. Without some progress in Washington, though, next week could be a lot more difficult because we're entering the most horrific phase of the pandemic. And someday it has to impact stocks. And not in a positive way. Joseph in New York. Joseph. Booyah, Jim. Happy Friday. Thank you. Same to you, Joseph. So I wanted to get your thoughts on an e-commerce retailer that's had an impressive run all throughout the pandemic. It was trading at a level 40% above its pre-pandemic high until it dipped yesterday after releasing its Q3 earnings in spite of strong global sales growth. Since the holiday season is upon us and disposable incomes are tight, with a lack of stimulus, what can you say about the company Lands End? You know, this is a really interesting stock. We, we had them on, and I, I recommended pretty hard. I said, you know what, this is a great kind of niche story. I want people in it. And then the stock just got crushed, and I felt like a complete joker because I said, wait a second, high quality, really the answer to a lot of companies' prayers in retail. And it's finally getting the recognition. You know something, Joseph, you're right. Now I would hold on to LE because the meeting the, uh, the move may just be beginning. Okay, if a stimulus deal can get done this weekend, this market can keep roaring. Uh, if not, it could be a little hangover. Well, man, buddy, tonight, shares of CrowdStrike surge after earnings, but is it time to strike while the iron's hot? I got the CEO. Then the CEO of electric vehicle company Canoe calls his first model a spaceship or loft on wheels. Intrigued? I'll tell you if it's worth considering ahead of its public offering via SPAC. And it's a $13 stock. And is Zscaler on Cloud9 after its report? I'm sitting down with the CEO and crunching the numbers. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I keep telling you it's too soon to jettison the winners from the stay-at-home economy. And the past couple of days, we saw why. We've now gotten some incredible earnings reports from the cloud place. And the whole group's caught fire after spending some time in the wilderness. Take Kramer fave CrowdStrike, the cloud-based cybersecurity firm. On Wednesday night, these guys delivered a blowout set of numbers. A solid top and bottom line beat with excellent guidance for the current quarter. In response, the stock shut up more than 13% yesterday. It wasn't done. It tacked on another 3.8% today, hitting a fresh all-time high. Could this thing have even more upside? Let's check in with George Kurtz. He's the bankable co-founder and CEO of CrowdStrike. To learn more about the quarter, where the company's head. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Man Money. Good to be here, Jim. All right, George, you got me nervous. I read one of your presentations. It was a fireside chat. And you said, today's cloud workloads are massively underprotected. Uh, and I said, well, wait a second. Everyone's moving to the cloud. Are you telling me that things are wide open and the cloud's being hacked left and right? Well, the cloud represents a secure opportunity for companies to move their workloads, too. However, because of the way the cloud operates, traditional legacy technologies haven't been able to keep up or secure those cloud environments, which is why CrowdStrike built a purpose-built technology focused on securing those cloud workloads. All right. So is that the reason why I'm looking at CRN Magazine? Target drops Symantec. We all know Target. We love the shop there. Taps CrowdStrike for fast deployment. They were satisfied with, uh, dissatisfied with Symantec. And you got their entire environment covered in, in, in 10 days? Well, that's part of the, the beauty of CrowdStrike and a cloud-based solution. And uh, Target's a great partner. We were delighted to work with them and deploy our technology. And that's one of the areas that I think is so strong about CrowdStrike. 
cloud delivered, immediate time to value, and you deploy it and it just works. And we've seen that in the customer success. We've seen the numbers we put up in customer ads and Target is absolutely one of the marquee names and we're proud to have him as a customer. Now it's, it matters because Target was hit with one of the worst hacks in history. So it's not like, I mean, this is more than just a marquee name. This is the kind of name that, that, that says, look, we've been burned. Brian Cornell comes in, tough guy, picks CrowdStrike, thinks CrowdStrike's the best. Well, they're a great organization with a great team, and uh, we're focused on helping protect them and their customers. One of the things you do that I love is your threat graph. Threat graph processes over 4 trillion high-fidelity signals per week? Absolutely, and that's one of the beauties of our model, Jim, not only in a from a technology perspective, but we collect data one time, we put it in a threat graph, and then that be data becomes available for all of the other modules that we sell to customers. So if you think about on the technology side, it's easy for a customer, it's collected once, but on the business side, once we collect it and we've paid for that collection, every other module we add to our customer is pure margin. Well, then also you would have a great overview of what's going on. I know you have uh, lots of different uh, verticals. I know you have healthcare as a vertical. I read this morning in the cover of The New York Times about how drug companies uh, are being hacked. They're being they are being threatened. And we're talking about something that could be involving saving millions of people's lives. Yes, we're talking about covid vaccines. What are you hearing and seeing about the break in to the really to the inner sanctum of companies that are trying to save our lives? Well, it's something that we've talked about uh, numerous times over the pandemic. And if there's one topic that has been universal more than than I've ever seen, it's it's covid. And that's being used from a, a phishing perspective as a lure to get people to click on these documents, click on this malware and get infected. And that's one of the reasons why we protect many of uh, the large pharmaceutical companies. And in particular, uh, there's so much IP, so much information uh, that's, you know, goes beyond just uh, healthcare that's on the line here. And that's why it's incumbent on uh, for companies like CrowdStrike to be able to protect these organizations. Bad guys are out there trying to do bad things. Uh, are you actually, I mean, day to day, I mean, like today, were there, do you think that there were attempts to break in? I, in, in the time we film this, there's, there's breaking attempts. I mean, it happens thousands of times a day. Uh, it's just all over nation state, e-crime, hacktivism. Uh, the threat environment just continues to get worse. Oh, this is terrible. Well, look, uh, one of the I think people at home don't understand. I, I happen to have moved the business from on-prem to the cloud. Costing three million bucks. It was a terrible hit. Didn't want to do it. Shareholders were angry. But once you're there, it's the promised land. Do you think there's still a lot of companies that don't want to take that hit are dealing with an inferior security system that must take the hit if they're going to be able to play in the 21st century? I think the cloud movement is inevitable. Look at any of the hyperscalers. Look at their growth. And security has to be part of that. Um, it's just too compelling. And, and I think what we've seen with digital transformation is really, uh, you know, COVID was uh, the, the, the match that lit the kindling. It, it was going to happen and it just got accelerated, which is one of the reasons why we're bullish on the, on the long term. You know, what we've seen is not a, a one-time trend. It's a sustainable trend where companies are moving to the cloud. They need protection uh, and they're changing their business model. You know, they can't survive, whether it's a retail, whether it's a hospitality group, a, 
a, a cruise line, they have to move to the cloud to be more competitive. Well, George, look, you've done a remarkable job. That was really a dynamite quarter. I was thinking stocks raw and how, how good could it be? Well, it was better than good. It was great. George Kurtz, CEO of CrowdStrike. Great to see you, sir, as always. You, you too. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Uh, CrowdStrike, look, it's one of those stocks. You know, what can I say? Because it's one of those companies. They're the future. Man, money's back here for the break. spent this whole week diving into what I call the electric SPACs. Ah. Electric vehicle startups that are coming public through reverse mergers with special purpose acquisition companies. And by the way, I like SPACs. You know what? You invest in a person, you invest in an idea. It's okay. The whole other process seems a little cumbersome in retrospect. With a couple of notable exceptions, most of these names have already had enormous runs, including some staggering moves last month, even as the whole group did roll over earlier this week. Generally speaking, I think they are too expensive. There are some outliers, though, that I've been willing to endorse, though, like Arrival, the British company that's working on electric vans and buses with a revolutionary approach to manufacturing that should keep their vehicle costs competitive with old-fashioned combustible engine-powered alternatives. That's a big advantage. Same goes for Luminar. See that one, Luminar Technologies? That makes LiDAR collision detection systems for autonomous driving. We recommended that one a couple of days ago, and the stock is now surging. 74% 74% for the past two days. And that's better than a takeover. Uh, it's once that SPAC merger closes, which is why we time the piece. I know these things are really hard to get your arms around. They take a long time for us to get right, but we're trying to do it for you, okay? The most, the, the most important part, I think, the speculative EV stocks now are too expensive after moves like that. So what I got, I, we got to dig even harder, right? That's why tonight I've got one for you that I think is at a very different trajectory. It still represents opportunity. I'm talking about Canoe, or I'm going to spell it, C-A-N-O-O. That is coming public via reverse merger with Hennessy Capital Acquisition Corp. Hennessy currently trades under the symbol H-C-A-C. But once the Canoe deal closes, they'll take that name and the stock will trade as C-N-O-O. Now, there are a couple of things that really set this thing apart, and I like them. First and foremost, Canoe's gotten a lot, of, a lot less buzz than its electric follow, follow fellow travelers. In fact, I don't know why. I don't know how the buzz starts. Maybe it's Reddit. I'm asking the people who are nine in the room, the 12-year-old. Is it Reddit? Okay. Hennessy, thank you. Hennessy Capital was trading at 10 bucks and change, 10 bucks and change before they announced the canoe deal in mid-September. And when the news broke, it rallied all the way to 13. See, that's nothing compared to the insane rallies you typically see when electric vehicle startups agree to join forces with the SPAC. And then the stock quickly sank back to the $10 level. Even when the whole electric cohort caught fire last month, Hennessy Capital nearly rallied back to 13. After all the turmoil this week, including a more than 10% gain today, it's once again at 13. 13. Long story short, the Canoe Hennessy tie-up may be the least hyped electric vehicle play in the market. And that is kind of crazy. After I tell you all the great things it's got going for it, you're going to say, bye, bye, bye. Which brings me to the second thing that sets this one apart. Like a rival, the British outfit that's developing modular electric vans and buses that can be produced on the cheap. Canoe's taken what they describe as a skateboard approach to designing electric vehicles. So what's skateboard? Okay, the skateboard is basically a plug-and-play ch- chassis with all the critical components, wheels, a motor, drivetrain, steering wheel, but no top. That's right, it's totally exposed. 
When you look at the video, it could pass for some kind of a weird off-road vehicle, like a player's thing. This skateboard is the basis of Canoe's modular design platform. You can take this chassis and plug it into different cabins. They call them top hats. It could be a van. It could be a pickup truck. It could be a sedan. Thanks to their plug-and-play skateboard, management says they can develop new vehicles in as little as 18 to 24 months at a much lower cost than the, co- the competition. Some of these things take four or five years. Canoe's on track to launch their first vehicle in 2022, not that far from now. The electric minivan is purpose-built around a subscription revenue model, which is different from a lease because you can apparently walk away at any time. By 2023, they want to roll out a business-to-business delivery vehicle focused on last-mile shipping. Then we know there's huge demand for that in the age of e-commerce. Now, when you see a company that's trying to do something different, you need to make sure they actually know what they're doing. Nikola was trying to do something different, and it blew up in your face when we found out that the founder kept uh, uh, making some ill-advised decisions. How about that? But Canoe has good bloodlines. The company is led by a fellow by the name of Ulrich Kranz, K-R-A-N-Z. He's an experienced veteran of the auto industry with more than 30 years of experience at BMW, along with a whole crew of former BMW compatriots who, work on, who worked on BMW's electric subframe. Kranz and his team successfully designed and manufactured a prototype in just 19 months. They've already done more than 50 physical crash tests on the skateboard chassis. Oh, and just like a rival, the high-quality electric SPAC play I told you about last night, Canoe has buy-in from major established players. They've already got a partnership with Hyundai to develop an all-electric platform based on Canoe's proprietary skateboard architecture. Unlike a rival, though, Canoe's plan is to outsource most of its production to contract manufacturers. Some people say, no, I want that myself. I don't want anything uh, outsourced. Okay. I mean, that, this is much more of an asset light uh, business model. You know what it's like? It's like, remember we profiled Fisker? People like that. And my Twitter feed, all people are calling it Jim Fisker Kramer. It's another one of these electric SPAC plays that also runs run by a highly experienced car guy. And my wife looked at it and said, we got to get a Fisker. I said, well, it's actually the ocean. But I said, we're not buying a Fisker. But I am reminded that some of these things including this one, the Canoe. Just great looking. If you want more detail on the project, we can give it to you. Canoe was actually highlighted on an episode of Jay Leno's Garage this past summer. It's a 41-minute long video, but if you have time, you get a great overview of the skateboard platform, the motor, and the go-to-market strategy. And why do I want that? Because if you're going to buy it, and I think you should, if you've watched this, when it goes down, or if it goes down, you'll say, no, I remember. I watched the video. Now, I know you probably don't have 41 minutes. I know I don't to show it to you right now, but I want to give you a quick rundown of the business plan. Canoe, as it's currently configured, is already making money by selling its engineering services to the big automakers. Then in 2022, they launched that electric minivan. They call it the lifestyle vehicle, and they plan to sell it on a subscription basis. You get the car and a bunch of related services bundled into single monthly payments. Sounds like a lot like a lease to me, except they cut the banks out of the process. Everybody does smarter things than when I was growing up, In 20, which was, um, you know, around the t- time of the Civil War. In 2023, they're rolling out an actual van for business customers, their last mile delivery vehicle. And that one they intend to just sell, no subscription required. By 2025, they want to introduce a sports car using the same chassis. All right, that's a long way off. But in the meantime, we got something cooking here. Uh, Financial projections, are there? Yes. Unlike normal IPOs, companies that go public via reverse mergers can give you pie-in-the-sky forecasts uh, about how much money they can make in the future, which explains some of the hype you get from these electric SPAC plays. Couldn't do it in a regular offering. But the numbers from Canoe, I thought they were pretty reasonable. Imagine police they can make $120 million in revenue next year just from their contract engineering business. That's pretty big. They're basically having automakers pay them to license their skateboard design. And the company already has seven of these projects in the pipeline. Once they start production in 2022, 
2022, they see sales climbing to, uh, to $329 million before exploding to $840 million in 2023 and then $1.4 billion in 2024. To hit those numbers, they need to produce 10,000 lifestyle units in 2022, 25,000 in 2023, and 50,000 in 2024. Like I've said, with all these electrics back plays, this stock will be a rocket ship if they can come anywhere close to those forecasts. That is a mighty big if. The problem is uh, we have no idea how much faith to put in the projections. There could be all sorts of unexpected roadblocks. But on the other hand, Canoe's got great management. They're already making money from this contract engineering business. They put together what they call the first true steer-by-wire system. That's where the steering wheel and the actual wheels are only connected by electronics, not mechanical components. Hyundai's on board with that. On the other hand, you'll have to wait until 2022 for production to start. And we don't know how customers will react to Canoe's modular design philosophy. In other words, it's far from perfect. But again, watch the Jay Leno's garage so you know what you're dealing with. You know what? With Hennessy Capital, the SPAC they're merging with, they're trading just 13 bucks and change. This thing's one of the cheapest electric vehicle plays out there. Not just the dollar, man. I'm talking about the market value. The bottom line, the canoe Hennessy merger is getting no love from Wall Street which is why I think it's safe to dip your toe in at these levels if you want to speculate. Then I buy even more if it pulls back to that $10 level. Just be prepared for some serious volatility as we get closer to the deal. Joy in Florida. Joy. Hi, how are you? I am good, Joy. How about you? I'm fine. I've owned uh, the stock GPC car parts. For quite a few years now, for about eight years, and I was wondering, with all this talk of electric vehicles, is it still continuing to be a good stock to be in? This thing has done nothing for years. And, you know, I've, I just felt over and over again they ought to just break it up. Uh, otherwise, AutoZone reports next week. AutoZone's done nothing for a while. They've been buying back stock. I'd rather see you in AutoZone. A-Z-O, Joy. Thank you. For the most part, I think the speculative EV stocks are getting a little too expensive. And it's just the ones that we've been profiling, but not the canoe Hennessy merger. If you want to speculate, I'm giving you the high sign here. Much more made money ahead, including my exclusive with Zscaler. How can I help you? How can I help you make money in this market? I'm asking the CEO. Man, I've got something to say to the next generation of investors, and they're going to like it. You're not going to want to miss it. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Tonight, we talked to CrowdStrike, one of the cloud-oriented cybersecurity plays that reported a magnificent quarter on Wednesday night. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. On the same night, we also heard from Zscaler, another cloud-focused security software company, and they too knocked it out of the park. These guys delivered a terrific eight-cent earnings beat off a six-cent basis with higher-than-expected sales, up 52% year-over-year. Even better, management gave you some magnificent guidance for the next quarter. Significantly raised their full-year forecast. A lot of times when people say they can't even make a forecast, these guys are really delivering. What's driving the strength? Zscale explained that their customers are accelerating their digital transformations during the pandemic, which means they need more cybersecurity infrastructure in response. The stock immediately skyrocketed. Yesterday, it went up 26%. Pulled back a bit today. At these levels, the stock's now up almost 300% year-to-date. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got some more room to run, though. Why? Because it is just unbelievable momentum here in its business, and winners keep winning. Don't take it from me, though. Let's dig deeper with Jay Chaudhry. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Zscaler to get a clearer picture of the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Chaudhry, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thank you. We're very proud of the numbers we delivered. 
All right, so Jay, a lot of people say, Jim, what is you're possessed with this Z-scaler? I talk about it a lot. But one of the reasons I do is because you actually process many more times, uh, say, queries than, say, uh, Google does in a given day, correct? That's correct. It's 150 billion requests per day around the globe. Google does about 8 to 9 billion searches a day. So that's about 15x. Gives you good context. And, and that's because we're taking all traffic. For example, uh, take Takeda Pharmaceutical. Any of the 75,000 employees, when they go to internet or SaaS application like Office 365 or their internal applications, we are sitting in the middle as an electronics exchange to make sure only right people can get to right application or service. That's a new and better way of doing security. That's why enterprises like us over legacy security and legacy networking. Well, you know, Jay, one of the things that you taught me that I want other people to understand is you use a great analogy. Use that international airport analogy because it is hard for people to understand that you could do 140 billion transactions and check everybody's passport, but somehow Zscaler does that. Yes, and it's not only just checking passport. The hardest part is checking the luggage to make sure nothing bad goes, slips through the luggage on the plane. It's the same way when you go to internet or somewhere, that malicious stuff, even COVID fake masks and test kits are hidden in there. So we open it up, we inspect for bad stuff to keep it out, and we inspect to make sure the good stuff, your company confidential data doesn't leak out. That's really what's the intellectual property we created, which is a big barrier to entry for anyone to do it at a speed where you're not slowing down the traffic. Imagine if traffic inspection at the airport is slow, we all complain. Same thing will happen. That's what we did to build this fast technology with good security is what sets us apart and makes it very hard for anyone else to catch up. All right, so Jay, we have an operation in our country called Operation Warp Speed. We're trying to get these needles into people's arms as fast as possible with the right information, with the right medicine. Uh, are you mm-hmm. confident? Are you confident that these uh, that this IP is not being hacked and stolen uh, for all the billions that we're being spending? Are you confident about the process? I am. I can't name names, but there are a number of pharmaceutical companies who are working with us to make sure none of the bad actors can come and try to hijack or try to steal the IP. So it's, it's, it's important. So we play a piece in this equation. And the important piece is who can get where. And then we work with the ecosystem of partners. All right, well, you know, one of the things, we happen to like a bunch of your companies. We have, we have almost all of them on, but two that we have on regularly are McCormick and Hormel. I mean, these are great, cherished American brands. And a lot of people say, well, Jim, what the, heck, what the heck do they have that they need Zscaler for? But they do need Zscaler. Everyone needs Zscaler because everyone needs to go and access information from internet or the cloud, and it's the Wild West out there. They need to get there fast, securely. And that's how we, that's what we allow them to do. I'm so glad and you you're very customer base. I'm sorry. sorry. You've got a customer base. 25% of the global 2,000 companies, they count on us. Almost a third of Fortune 500 companies count on us. It's companies like Cushman and Wakefield in real estate. They need to open more offices, close them as the real estate business moves, moves around. 
we are sitting in line to make sure the business can be done quickly, they can be more agile, and they can be more competitive. So we are not really bought just for security. We are bought to make business agile and competitive while being secure. Right, and that's uh, NBC too, because you don't remember, you don't want to go to out you know, wide area, then to the central office, then the wide area, and then so, I mean, this is a whole ecosystem that Jay's developed. Jay, you had a great quote in the uh, a lot of people worried about, some, including some of the companies we're talking about, that business is being pulled forward, that it's being accelerated, that it's COVID that's driving things. You said no, it, your business, which is on fire, is being driven by acceleration in digital transformation. Not COVID. That, that's very correct. Now, COVID has acted as a catalyst to accelerate further. COVID has shook, shook off inertia. It has changed mindset. And certainly CIOs are realizing that, wow, I can actually work from home without worrying about my traditional network, my traditional security. It works very well. So CIOs, they all need to drive transformation to make your business competitive. But even though they can build all these applications in the cloud, they need someone like Zscaler to make sure they can be securely accessed with fast experience. And so we get viewed as enablers of transformation. You know, for this transformation, there's some core things like collaboration. The next to that is Zscaler. And there's some other and uh, peripheral technologies that may not be critical, but we are the critical technology to do business. In fact, to get the economic cycle going, to have people work from home during COVID days, mm -hmm. or not to work from anywhere, we become very critical and we feel gratified that we are able to help people since their jobs depend upon economic activity. Well, you've done a great job. It's a magnificent, quite magnificent year. Ever since the company's been public, it's been just, uh, just superb. Jay Chaudhry, the founder, chairman, CEO of Zscaler. Thank you so much, Jay, for coming back to Man Buddy. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity. If I may say the last word, now we're focused on going past a billion dollar in ARR, annual recurring revenue. I know you're going to do it. Man, buddy's back here for the break. It is time! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate, Daddy, it's time for the lightning round. Let's start with Mark in Oregon. Mark. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. First, I want to say a quick shout-out to my wife. She just finished 35 years at Boeing and just retired today. The stock I'm interested in is Validine LiDAR, Inc. All right. Well, I think you should finish the stock of Boeing, which even though because the Dreamliner numbers weren't that good, and the stock went down off some thing, Greg Smith said, I still think that stock is a buy, but I think that your one that you want is not as good as my one. I like Luminar Technologies, even though it had a very big rally today. And 35 years, congratulations on all that time. It's a great American company. Richard in California. Richard! Hey, Jim, I want to ask about an old Kramer favorite that's fallen out of favor with the market. Is Canada Goose a buy down here? Which one? Now, I mean, you know, next week, Lululemon reports, and I prefer Lululemon to Canada Goose. Canada Goose has not been able to extend the product pipeline like, like I, I want it, as opposed to Lulu, which has done many, many good things. I need to go to Mike in Ohio. Mike. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Mike. Hey, the chill man was striking early today. What's going on? 
Uh, my question is about Fiverr International, ticker, ticker symbol FVRR. You know, look, this stock is like $7 billion. This stock is too hot for me. It is straight up, and it's really just kind of like an online brochure exchange. I, I, I don't, I mean, I usually don't say this, but I, 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 don't, want, I don't want you to own Fiverr. Fiverr. I just don't. I mean, to me, it's, 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 uh, it's just too speculative. Let's go to Patrick in Delaware. Patrick. Booyah, Jim, my fellow Eagle fan. What's up, brother? Well, you know, like we're we're through thick and thin, but right now we are obviously in the thin portion. What's going on? Not much. Hey, I got a stock that's dropping like the Eagles right now. Uh, I bought Regeneron uh, back in, I don't know, maybe June. Uh, listening to one of your well, man money shows. You know, look, it's really the offensive line. There's no pocket. It's getting rushed constantly. There's no basis. It's, it's the... the Oh, I thought I was talking about Carson Wentz. No, this is Len Schleifer. He's doing fantastic. You got to go buy Regeneron under 500. I think it's 35. They haven't been, it's not been in the news lately because they got that great drug, but they haven't been able to make enough of it. And uh, and but, you know, don't worry about Len Schleifer because he has the mechanics down. He's not throwing from his back foot and hitting guys right in through. Mike in New York, Mike. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Mike. Uh, I'm a recent college grad from The Ohio State University. Love your show. Watch it every day. Um, you've got a great passion. My stock is Advanced Micro Devices. Listen, Buckeye, you got good horse sense. AMD is good. How many young people? I mean, we're the only shows got like young people. They watch the show. Why? Because we're trying to help them make some money, and they're trying to help us make money. Like my fellow Buckeye, who is saying that AMD, AMD is good. I just did that to your Penn State people. Let's go to Deborah in Texas. Deborah. Hi. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. My question, my question tonight is about BlackRock. Oh, man, even though it's well above where it was when PNC sold that big slug. You got Larry Fink. Larry Fink's 80, uh, 68. He looks like he's 40. I want to stay along that stock. And can we go to Robbie in Georgia, please? Robbie. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. My, my question is on a company that is coming out of the mud. The attention has been given at a testing business as of late. However, this week, the deal.com reported that the company is reviewing a sale of their growth hormone drug, which partnered with Pfizer and slated for launch next year. Given an analyst said the hormone business could be worth several billion dollars and the market cap is $3 billion today, what are your thoughts on ticker OPK? All right, I'm confused about OPK. First of all, I like I, I, the 4K score. If you go look at the video on the website, you're going to see Dr. Fish, who's my urologist, talk very positively about it. And then you look at what they're doing, Bioreference Lab. They're doing a terrific job. They've got a great vitamin D drug. It's finally getting some love, but I got to tell you, it's got to happen soon or it's just going to die again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the... Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. I'll say this for the new generation of investors. These young people, they're certainly optimistic. I've been following the moves of the younger cohort, often called Robin Hoodies. After the brokerage of choice, you know what? They buy stocks and they buy them with a gusto that I haven't seen in decades. It is remarkable. We're going to get to this list, but let me tell you first. These newbies, they come in and they come in with guns blazing. And many of them got started right near the bottom in March when a lot of the big professionals were fleeing. 
Oh, and then they saw stocks like Tesla come roaring back, creating instant millionaires, and they wanted a piece of that action. In fact, I think the draw of finding the next Tesla colors their entire approach to stock picking, and you know what? Who can blame them? Tesla's up nearly 800% over the past 12 months, but more importantly, it's a stock that lots of people in Wall Street got dead wrong, even as the Robinhood crowd rode it higher and higher and higher. If you believe that Tesla was merely another car company, well, then you probably missed the move. I think that's what really happened to the Goldman Sachs analysts, who found himself forced yesterday to upgrade the stock after fighting it for ages. These younger investors saw things differently. They realized Tesla was a tech stock that arguably has more in common with Amazon or Netflix than with Ford or with GM. Yet the Robin generation has no desire to let their money languish in index funds that own the good with the bad. They love stock picking. By all accounts, they actually love doing the homework, the Google, the annuals, the research reports. And, and as I mentioned before, they're incredibly optimistic. They devour the websites. How optimistic are we, ta- are, are we talking here? Okay, you can see them in action. If you can only get up at 5 a.m., to watch Brian Sullivan on Worldwide Exchange on Monday morning. Specifically, I want you to watch the ticker on the bottom of the screen. These young investors, they're so eager, they don't even wait for the exchanges to open to do their buy. They're bidding things up in pre-market trading virtually every morning through all sorts of different little exchanges, little brokerage houses. Yes, that's been the pattern ever since we started getting positive vaccine data last month. Look at the action this past week. They've been buying the cruise lines. Well, they've been doing that cruise lines actually almost since the beginning of the pandemic. But um, they, they, they love Norwegian. They love Carnival. They love oil, but Norwegian Carnival are really incredible. These companies keep offering stock left and right to shore up their balance sheets. And this is what's called dilution. When a company issues new shares, they dilute the value of your old ones. And professionals in Wall Street can't stand dilution because it means the earnings estimates need to come down. But the Robin Hoodies don't care about dilution. Oh, no, not them. Often they don't even care about earnings. And so far they've been right as the cruise ships have just been big. on Every single one of the secondaries, the stocks go higher. It's remarkable. Look at Norwegian today. Look at Carnival. It's them that's doing the buying. Speaking of optimism, you know what? They love the airlines and for the same reason. Once we're vaccinated, the whole industry can come back. And beyond that, nothing else matters, including the, all the debt they have and all the dilution. The stocks say they're right to these people. Less than a month ago, American Airlines was burning through, say, $44 million a day. So the company sold 38.5 million shares at $13. Horrible dilution. But what a buying opportunity for the young people. And you know what? The stock closed, stock $16.40. They're up huge. We're all bad-mouthing and crying dilution. They're making money. They're laughing all the way to the bank. How about the secondaries? This is incredible. Early this week, Norwegian Cruise, it, this is even better. Norwegian Cruise announced that they were pushing back the reopening by another two months. Their ships won't set sail now until March at the earliest. Since then, the stock's up nearly 15%. On the day of the fated announcement, they had moved the stock up almost 50 cents before dawn. Now, you could argue the Robin Hood kids just don't know what the heck they're doing. But if ignorance can really make you this much money, maybe it's time to consider a lobotomy. Or you can point out that with their aggressive buying, these younger investors effectively make themselves right. I say, so what? They're betting on a resurgence once we're vaccinated and the world goes back to normal. Sooner or later, their optimism will be right. They take in. Look, they've got a longer time horizon than many other people. It really is a question of when, not if, isn't it? 
We know that they're in other stocks, too, like the high-flying electric vehicle startups that soared again today, or the cloud plays. They like the DocuSign. They love Snowflake, the latter being the most expensive stock in the market on a price-to-sales basis like they could care. And it keeps getting more expensive, voting $47 yesterday after a great quarter an interview with Frank Slootman on the show last night. Yeah, tacking on another nearly $48 today. They like Simon Properties. I don't know. It's a mall stock. They think that that's the ultimate reopening play. It is run by David Simon, who's probably the best in the business. It, it, it's these remarkable runs in the cruise lines that have made the Robin Hoodies big money. And I, for one, I salute them. They aren't satisfied with index fund mediocrity. They want the best. And they are seizing the morning, if not the day, to do so. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.